that we all, if you grew up in church, any, you probably sang about this man uh, while you were in uh, children's church sometime. And uh, but a great story and a great uh, message, really, for uh, two groups of people uh, that may be sitting in front of me here today. And uh, an encouraging message and a message that should help us all to uh, be of a better understanding of what God uh, wants for our life, our purpose. And that's what a lot of people are looking for in the new year. They're always looking for purpose uh, for what they uh, want to do and uh, for what they want and desire for their lives. And uh, if you've uh, paid any attention, pay any attention. Uh, if you've been watching, uh, maybe I don't watch a lot of TV, but uh, I just only thing I ever watch is probably college football. But uh, if I watch anything, you're always seeing how they're promoting. You know, hey, you know, Gold's Gym and Planet Fitness. I mean, they're 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 spending the bucks right now. You know, because they know people need purpose, and they know that people want to. You got the the dietitian, the diet market is putting out all the all their ads right now because 2023 is here. And that's going to be the year of change, right? And I'm going to change in 2023. I mean, life is going to be different. Things are going to change. And, well, I'll tell you what. I don't know what year exactly it was, and I don't know what time of year it was. Uh, whenever Jesus came walking by and to, to Jericho, but I'll tell you what. This man's life changed on one day. You know what? All of us that are sitting in front of me here today uh, should have a time in our life Maybe you don't know the exact day, maybe it wasn't March 15th, 1983, or whatever it was, but you know a time, you know in your life, you know this, that your life has changed. You're different. Uh, God saved you. And because God saved you, uh, you are a different person. You've been born again by the Spirit of God. i never forget when I was a kid, I was climbing, uh, we were playing tag, I should say, and um, I thought that it might be a good idea to uh, climb a tree uh, while you're playing tag. We have these white pines where I live at. And white pines where I live at uh, in North Carolina are basically like ladders. Uh, I mean, they just kind of, there's just one rung after another. And you can just climb, 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 climb uh, until you can't climb anymore. And uh, I thought that'd be a good place to hang out and uh, to steal away from everybody. The only problem is when you get found in a tree... Uh, there's really nowhere to go. Uh, there was a, a group of them there, and I tried to go from one tree to the next, and, uh, and then I, I tried to, uh, uh, my buddy's climbing up to me, and he's saying, come down, just come down. Uh, you're, you're going to get hurt. Come on, Matthew, just come down. And I said, I'm not coming down, and uh, you're going to have to come get me. And sure enough, man, they shimmied right up the tree and uh, right on after me. And uh, I went out to the edge of one of those uh, white pine branches. And uh, they're flexible, uh, but they will break. And I, when I got out to the edge, I was probably about 20 feet up in the air. And that thing snapped, and I hit every branch on the way down. I mean, snapped, pop, 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 all the way down. I'd hate to do that now that I'm almost 40 years old. Uh, but whenever you're, you know, 12, 13, you're just like rubber. You know, just kind of bend and everything go on, all those, all those things. But I came down with a crash and with a thud, and they said, you're it. You know, that's all. <laughs> you know, there was no sympathy back in my day. I don't know if there is nowadays, but there was just no sympathy. You know, it says, 
it was it was hard knocks. But I came down with a thud. But this man right here, Zacchaeus, uh, did not come down and was not forced down. And he was uh, being called to come down. And he listened to God. He listened to God. You know, it's a lot easier and it's a much better path and it's a much uh, smoother sailing if you'll come down when God tells you to come down. Instead of God making you come down. Because you will realize in life that pride lifts you up. But pride also brings you down. It works both ways. And God's asking a question this morning. Are you going to come down? I believe God's got a purpose for every believer that is sitting in front of me here today. And any believer that's listening by the way of the broadcast. God has a purpose for you. And if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ and you're not saved, and you're not for sure that if you were to die today that you would go to heaven, that God has got a purpose for you. God's got a purpose for everybody. And we're going to be revealed that to us in our scriptures today. From a man named Zacchaeus. Like I said, you probably all are familiar with him. You heard about him in your children's church, maybe in your Sunday school. Maybe you heard your kids singing, Zacchaeus was a, what, a wee little man. I won't make you come up here to sing it or give the action motions for it this morning. Uh, I mean, a wee little man was he. Uh, he climbed up high in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree, the Savior did, and said, Zacchaeus, you come down from going to your house today. We're going to see this message about this man, Zacchaeus. The message I've entitled, Come Down. Come Down. This message, in this year, I'm asking you, are you going to come down to the Lord? Are you going to walk with Him? Are you going to follow Him and surrender let Him take control and do what God would want you to do? Because His ways are perfect. Amen? His ways are perfect. That's what the Scripture says. His paths are perfect. His ways are right. And Zacchaeus is a man that's seen that. Let's begin our study here this morning by starting in verse number 1 and reading down a little ways. The Bible says, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature, and he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said, uh, and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at, your, at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be guest of a man that was a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood in the and said unto the Lord, Behold, I, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by a false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he is also, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save. That which was lost. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for the Word of God. We pray that, Father, this morning that, Lord, we would uh, 
come down from our trees and that, Lord, we would follow you. God, I don't believe this is just a call to Zacchaeus, but to anyone and to everyone that would seek the Savior. And I pray that, Father, we will. Whatever area in our life that, God, we would surrender to you. Now, I know the message will be directed in different ways, but God, I am trusting wholly and full-heartedly in the Holy Spirit of God to deliver the message that you want to people's hearts in the way that you want it to be delivered. Your Holy Spirit is working and works through the preaching, through the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And I don't believe that, Lord, it is just working just to save people, Lord. It's working to change people and help people. And I believe, Lord, in this method of preaching. I don't understand it, Lord. I certainly don't understand why, God, you would call me to be one. I don't, I'm less deserving of it, the least deserving. But, Father, I pray you'd speak to thy word. For that word is truth. And the Holy Spirit will reach into our hearts and change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to notice three things this morning about this particular account that's given to us in the Word of God. Number one, let's see, first of all, a point about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a man that needed Jesus. He was a man that stood in great need of the Lord. Now, if you were to go back to verse number 2, it might not seem that way. Because in verse 2, it tells us that he was, number one, he was chief among the publicans. And number two, it tells us that he was rich. Now, those two qualifications would probably tell us that he was not a person that was really in need of anything. He was in need of anything. Number one, he had power. And number two, he had riches. And that's what everybody wants in life. They want power and they want riches. That's what the world desires. That's what the world wants. That's what, that's what unsaved people desire are those two things. Whenever people get rich and they get wealthy and they become uh, extremely wealthy, then uh, they realize that their wealth is not enough. They need more than that. They want power. A lot of them will maybe even uh, run for some kind of office or uh, in order to gain power. Others will uh, get involved with other means so that they can get power that is given to them. And there are also people that are out there that are not rich. And they realize they're never going to be rich. And so what do they go for? They say, I'll go for power then. I'll reach out and try to get power and try to be uh, influential in the world that is around me. And maybe I'll get riches that way, by being powerful. So this man is, is two things. He's, he's powerful and he's rich. But the point that I make this morning is this, is that Jesus, Zacchaeus was a man that needed Jesus because power and riches are never going to satisfy a hungry soul. They're never going to fill the vacuum that exists within anybody's heart, man or woman. Zacchaeus was a rich man, but he was not spiritually rich. He was hurt and he was held down by sin. 
take your Bibles here, you're already there at it, in verse number 8, and notice this, Zacchaeus, what he admits to. Zacchaeus says that I will give half my goods to feed the poor, and if I've taken anything by false accusation, I will restore him fourfold. Zacchaeus, by his own admission, was no better than a lead financier at a used car lot. That's what he was. I didn't realize that uh, in these finance departments at the used car lot uh, until some years ago, just <laughs> what they were doing to some people. Uh, my brother-in-law was taken for over 26% interest on his first used car that he bought. He paid for that car four times over. A Mitsubishi Eclipse. I'll never forget it. It was in the junkyard before he ever finished paying the thing off. What I'm saying is this, is that he was a person that took advantage of other people. He was one that would fleece the poor in order to get rich. He was one that would rob the poor in order to get rich. He lived in wealth at the expense of others. He did not help the poor. Zacchaeus had no peace, though he had great wealth. The rich get depressed as well as the poor. All right? Don't ever get that confused. If you're a believer here this morning, I hope that you don't ever get your head swallowed up in riches and get to thinking that if I had a little bit more, I would be happier. My family would be happier. Because my friend, listen, riches are not found, excuse me, happiness and blessedness are not found ever, ever, ever in riches. In riches. I knew of a man one time that uh, had built up a great wealth. And in that wealth, uh, he had taken much pride in because he had a great sum of money. But then a tragedy struck. Cancer struck his family. And within six months, everything was gone. All of his wealth was spent on getting well. Isn't that amazing? The Bible truly says that riches take like are like, like eagles' wings; they take flight, they fly away. I mean, riches come and riches go. And Zacchaeus was one that had a rich bank account, but he did not have a rich heart. The rich are without peace. Riches do not soothe pain; they do not cover up sin; they only afflict people more. Listen to what the Bible says in James 5. Go to now ye rich men. Weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth eaten. Zacchaeus was rich but he was not rich spiritually. He needed Jesus Christ. Zacchaeus was also a man that was rich. He was powerful but he was not just powerful but he was powerful among the publicans. Now, the publicans in those days are what we would call tax collectors, all right? Now, it would not be a fair uh, uh, comparison to compare them to IRS agents, okay? That's not the, that's not the thought here, all right? Some of you are coming up on tax time. It's January 1st. You got now four months, and somebody's like, I'm already filing an extension, man. I'm already there, all right? So, but listen, that was not the same, okay? These guys had the ability to not just charge you the tax, the Roman tax, but also they had the ability to up the ante if they wanted to and how they seemed fit. They could charge fees, whatever they wanted to. They could do with which is in, I guess you might say, reason. 
and whoever's reason that might be. But also they were traitors. They were Jews that had switched over and they had gone and are now working for the enemy. They're working for the Romans. That's who the publicans were. And they were hated. Everybody hated them. That's why you can find in verse number 7, when they saw it, they all murmured. Why did everybody murmur that Jesus was talking with Zacchaeus, the chief of the publicans? Because everybody hated the guy. Nobody liked him. So, whenever Jesus comes to town, it might give you a better understanding why Zacchaeus can't see Jesus. Not only is he short, but he's probably getting picked on, you know? I mean, he's like 4'11", 5 foot tall, you know what I mean? And he can't, he's trying to look at her. Can you imagine if you, now just, just take, just think, all right, for a second. I'm going to ask, think in the flesh for a moment, all right? That's not hard for most of us to do, all right? Think in the flesh for a second, all right? You got some guy that has robbed your family and robbed your grandma for the last 20 years, you know? And he wants to see Jesus, and you're like, huh, no, 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 you're not seeing him. No, they're standing in his way. They're getting in his way. No, he can't, he's trying to, oh, come on, short man, can't you see anything? I mean, they're making fun of him and talking about him. And so what does he do? Well, he's a smart guy, so he climbs a tree. And he's looking, he is looking for Jesus. Now look what it says here. The Bible says that he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and he could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. There's a great spiritual lesson here. Jesus, Zacchaeus wanted to see the Lord, so he climbed a tree. Not only did he climb a tree, but it has been recorded for us that uh, that also in another account that there was a rich man, a father of a prodigal son that ran to meet his son. These two things are very unusual because most commentators will agree upon the fact that it would have been very unusual for a man of his stature to even run in those days. Not only to run, but also to climb a tree. I mean, that's what little boys do. Remember, I gave you the illustration at the beginning to kind of give you an idea. I was 12 years old, climbing trees, all right? I don't usually climb trees anymore, all right? It's not normal for us to do so. That's some deer hunting, all right? But, uh, but we don't usually do those kinds of things anymore. That's not usual behavior of older people or mature people. They don't do that. So what is these two things pointing out to us is this, is that Zacchaeus was willing to humble himself in order that he might get a better glimpse of the Lord. He was willing to put himself in a place of humility, of people making fun of him, of people pointing a finger at him. What is Zacchaeus running down the road for? What is he doing? What's that little man doing? You know? What's short stuff doing here today? I mean, come on, what is he, what is he, what's going on with him? I mean, why is, look at him now. I mean, everybody, can you imagine everybody looking up at him? He's, you know, Jesus saw him, right? So everybody else had to see him too. I mean, they're all, look, he's up there with the kids. They're all, they're all pointing fingers at him. They're looking at him. They're making fun of him. But Zacchaeus doesn't care because why? Look at this. This, this is really, this is a very slight nuance. But I want you to see verse number four. For he was to pass that way. 
Now, how did Zacchaeus know that he was to pass that way? Did Zacchaeus just kind of guess? You know, it's kind of like, all right, I, I don't know what street he's going down, first, second, or third. Let's throw a coin, let's throw some dice here. No, he found out, he made inquisition and found out where he was going. It was well spoken of which direction Jesus was going, and he said, I'm going there. I am going to that place. I'm getting there. He was a man that couldn't find Jesus. He was a man that was rich but not spiritually. And he humbled himself in order that he might see the Lord. I'm asking you this morning, are you willing to humble yourself so that you can know more about God? Are you willing to take down some airs? I didn't say air out your dirty laundry. There's a difference. Are you willing to put down some airs and be real with God and real with yourself and maybe real with your family and humble yourself in the sight of the Lord? And what does the Bible say? And He shall lift you up. But we see that Zacchaeus was not just a man that was rich, but not spiritually. He was not just a man that was small but couldn't and couldn't see. But he was also, he finds out he was a happy man. The Bible concludes for us about this, about Zacchaeus, that in verse number 6, and he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. Why did he receive him joyfully? Because he was excited and thrilled for this exchange. He finally was going to meet the person that was going to give him real peace and real joy in his life. True happiness never bought him that. He was a happy man because he received Jesus. Listen, all redeemed people are happy people. If you're a Christian, been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, then God has called you, and as God has given to you, true, and I would say happiness, blessedness, people that have real joy in their life. Their joy is not in an object or in a pleasure, but their joy is in a person, and that is found in Jesus Christ. That's where Zacchaeus found his joy at. And I don't know about you, my friend, but I found joy in Jesus. That's where my joy lies at. That's where my salvation lies at. And I don't know where your salvation stands this morning, but does it stand in Christ? And if it doesn't, then it's not going to be a happy life. They say happy wife, happy life. I understand that. That's a good principle. But I'll tell you what, if you want to have a true joy in your life, then you'll have Jesus in your life. He was not only happy because he received the Lord, he was also happy because he repented of his sins. Never forget this. Look at the way that it happens. Is that whenever he comes down and he hears this murmuring and he hears what's going on, Zacchaeus speaks up just to let everybody know that he's for real about this thing, that he's truly sincere about his fellowship with God. He says to he says, speaks up and he says, Hey, I'm going to give half of my goods to the poor, and I might taken anything by false accusation, I restore it to him fourfold, 80%. I'm going to give back 80% of what I have taken. On top of what I've taken, I should say. He repented. Happy people are people that repent of their sin and follow Christ. He put down his old ways of stealing and bribing and not taking care of the poor. And for it, he was happier. He was blessed. 
You never get saved until you first realize you're a sinner. Nobody ever gets saved until they first realize they're a sinner. This man realized who he was, and he repented, and he asked, and he followed Jesus Christ. Have you done that? Have you followed Christ? Zacchaeus was a man that needed Jesus. But secondly, our second character in our story is Jesus. Jesus was happy to come and talk to Zacchaeus. And this is the best part of the story. I firmly believe that Zacchaeus was much like the woman of the well of Samaria. Jesus had to, the Bible says in John chapter 4, it says Jesus must needs go through Samaria. All right? And I believe it was saying it was Jesus' purpose here. Jesus must needs go through Jericho. Jesus had a purpose of going through Jericho, and that was to meet Zacchaeus. He wanted to save him. And listen to me, Jesus has come by your way, and if you aren't saved, then he's come by your way to save you. Jesus knows exactly where you're at. Jesus stops at the very tree that Zacchaeus is in. He says in verse number 5, And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus. Jesus knew the exact spot where Zacchaeus was at. He didn't stop at the third or the fourth tree. No, he stopped exactly where he was. He looked right up at him and he called his name. Jesus walked right to the very tree. God's still calling people. He's still telling people to come with haste. Look at this. Zacchaeus, make haste. Now, I know and I understand that a lot of times God works slowly. That old famous adage from Henry Wadsworth Longfellow said, the mills, though the mills of God grind slowly, yet they grind exceeding small, though with patience he stands waiting, with exactness grinds he all. And I believe that. God works slowly. But when God calls for a response, he always calls for a response to be made in haste. Don't get that confused. God has every right to wait and to be still. But whenever we're called upon God to act, God expects us to act now. What authority do you have for that? 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 2. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, what? Now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Well, a lot of times we, we misquote that verse and we'll say, today is the day of salvation. But the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, it says, now is the day. Now is the time. Is the accepted time. Jesus knows exactly where you're at and he expects you whenever he calls you, Zacchaeus. Or whatever your name is, Matthew, make haste. If you're unsaved here today, listen, my friend, don't leave this auditorium without trusting Jesus Christ as Savior. Today, now, I would have no problem. I would have no problem in a sermon if somebody just, if I was preaching, just shouted out and came on down the altar and said, I need to be saved right now. Because there was great fear in their heart that maybe another second might pass by and they would be lost forever. 
I know whenever I got saved, it ran through my mind, if I don't get saved now, I'll never get saved. That was what I believed. What was, I, what was my heart demonstrating in that very moment? It was demonstrating the text. It was demonstrating the word of God. That God calls in haste. That God calls now. That God says, do it now. Don't wait. And I would say to anybody that's a Christian here today, don't wait to repent. Don't wait to follow God's calling and God's leading in your life. Get in. You can maybe uh, charge him if you will and get on to him for putting out the fleece a couple of times. But I mean, how many of us are even willing to put out a fleece? How many of us are willing to go and do what God says to do once we find out what the fleece tells us to do? Once God says to do it, then we ought to do it. I've got to hand it to Gideon. Amen? I mean, he might have put out the fleece, but I'll tell you what, at least he followed God after he did it. Sometimes we ask God, God, give us a sign what you want us to do. And God gives a sign and you go, well, maybe I was looking for a different one. Um, I was kind of looking for a plane to ride it in the sky for me. You know what I mean? I, I was looking for something else. When God calls, He calls now. Jesus knows exactly where you are, and Jesus knows exactly who you are. Jesus knew this rascal. I mean, he was a rascal. Anybody that takes from the poor and gives to the rich, like an old Robin Hood, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, not Robin Hood, but King, what's his name? Nobody even knows their, nobody even knows their Robin Hood history. Uh, Richard. Yeah, thank you. King Richard. When you steal from when King Richard, when you become a King Richard, you're just a rascal. That's what I tell you are. You're just an old rascal. You're a no good for nothing scoundrel. Now any of us would think that way about somebody that robs innocent poor people, wouldn't we? Unless you're doing that, you might think, well, I'm not that bad, you know what I mean? Uh, I hope none of you are doing that. I would think that you are. I don't know that you are. But he wanted to, but Jesus knew he was a thief. He knew he was an extortioner. He knew he was a cold-hearted man. But Jesus was interested in this man. Another thing that blows me in my, blows my mind about this, and just kind of, just kind of, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't say this, but it's kind of taking my thoughts here, is that the Bible teaches us that Jesus said it's easier for a rich man to go through that, easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. But you know what this story proves to us is that this proves to us that Jesus was not saying in that passage that rich people don't get saved. He was just saying it's difficult because they have a lot to give up. They have a lot to surrender. But in the Bible, we have two rich men that are saved, Matthew and also Zacchaeus and also Joseph of Arimathea. You have people that are rich that are getting saved. God saves rich people. God is interested in all kinds of people. And that encourages me because I've got some friends of mine that live in some places. I used to live in a place that was poor. They spelled it with four O's in some places. I mean, it was poor. Very poor. And some places in Tennessee, I could take you to some places that I went to in Tennessee. I mean, you could throw a cat through the wall. I mean, it was it was bad. It was it was it was rough. Now we didn't live that poor, but I knew where I was at. And then you take that old poor, and you take a guy, okay, number one, that grew up in North Carolina, moved to Florida, and I've lived in the South my whole entire life, all right, for a brief stint down there in Florida, if you want to call that the South. 
and, and then back up to back up to Tennessee. And then you take a poor old country bumpkin like me who grew up in North Davidson and either eight miles to school. And I can tell you what, from my house to, to, to North Davidson High School was nothing but soybean fields and cornfields, all right? And you take a person like me and transplant me into the city of Austin, Texas, I had a hard time for the first year. I didn't even know how to drive around here. I let my wife, I gave her the keys and said, I don't even know where to go. All these mixed masters and all this stuff going on and everything. Now it seems like second half. But the point is this, is that where I was and where I am now, two totally different places. This is a rich city. This is a rich place. You don't believe it? Go try to buy a house. Amen? Try to buy a house. Try to buy some land. This is a rich place. There are a lot of rich people here. And there are a lot of people that are probably... Not so much rich that there's a lot of debt. But nonetheless, it's an expensive place to live. And this encourages me to let me know that guess what? That God still saves rich people, influential people. And we live in a city, we live, we live in the capital city of Texas, alright? That means the government is here. The bureaucrats are here. Guess what? God can save bureaucrats and Democrats and Republicans all the same. God saves people still, my friend. He's still interested in the loss. He says, I come to seek and to save the poor loss. He didn't say that. He said, I've come to seek and to save what? The loss. So don't get your mind wrapped up and say, well, these people, they just got so much and my neighbor, they just got this and they got that and all these kinds of things. Listen, I don't care where you live at. I know this is that where we live at here is a lot better than where some people are living at in Mexico. And some of the places that I can take you to there in Tennessee. Listen, my friend, God's still saving people. Now, what in the notes? You got that for free. He knows exactly who you are. He knows exactly where you are. But listen to me. This is the third thing about Jesus is happy to come and talk to Zacchaeus. Why? Because Jesus loves you anyway. Jesus says, salvation has come to this house. In order for Christ to save somebody, he must love somebody. Do you realize that? Jesus cannot save anybody unless he loves them. That is mandatory. You say, how is that possible? Because God holds himself to his own word. For God so loved the world. See, God holds himself to his own standard. And his own standard is this, that God loves people. And because he loves people, he saves people. That's the reason he saves us, is because he loves us. He loves us. God has held himself to his word. He says, the reason I'm going to say all of that believe is because I love them. Zacchaeus, Jesus loved Zacchaeus. And did not look at him like a short little man in a tree and think, how silly is that? Jesus doesn't look at him as, as some gross sinner that you can't have fellowship with. Jesus loved this man. And I'll tell you what, my friend, Jesus loves you. 
I don't care where you've been or what you've done or what your life has held out to the last year. If it hasn't been the most pleasing, the most exciting, if it hasn't been what you planned it out to be, listen, my friend, you ought to take courage this morning in this one thought that Jesus loves you. And if there's anything that would lead anybody or should lead any Christian back to him is that Jesus loves you. If there's anything this morning that should lead a sinner to Jesus, it ought to be this. Jesus loves you. Stop saying, you don't know who I am or you don't know what I've done. Listen, I don't got to know. God knows. And he says, I love you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And this brings me to our last point, which is the practical application for all of us that are believers. Simply this question, are we as Christians being like Jesus? Are we seeking to save that which was lost? And my proposition for you this 2023 would be this. Are you seeking and saving that which was lost? Are you telling people about the Lord? Christ's intention in his life and ministry and sacrificial death is all wrapped up in the words for us of Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. That is his proposition statement. That is his intention. That is what he has come to do. Jesus wanted to save lost people. He is the, the maid that has the, that has lost the lost coin and searching for it. He is the father that has, has the lost son and desires for him to come back. He is also the shepherd that has lost the one sheep out of the 99 and wants them back. Here is where Jesus is. He's come to seek and to save that which was lost. But here's where we run into a big problem. Jesus is not in Jerusalem or Galilee or in Israel anymore. Physically, he has left. Physically, he has been resurrected and he has been placed at the right hand of the throne of God. He is no longer in Israel preaching the gospel of the kingdom nor doing miracles. You say that's obvious. I know, but it's a problem. Because how in the world are we going to adopt this? How in the world is Jesus going to continue his intent of seeking and saving that which was lost. Well, that's where you and me as Christians get included in the story. You see, the Bible says that we are ambassadors for Christ. The Bible says that we are the light of the world. The Bible says that we are the salt of the earth. The Bible says that we are ministers of reconciliation. The Bible says that we are to teach and to preach and to be baptizing and to be teaching and observing all things whatsoever we have, He has taught us. We are to preach the gospel unto what? Every creature. We are the mouthpiece of God. Look back at Genesis. Look back at Luke 19.10. Notice three words and we'll close. The word come, the word seek, the word save. I want to say, suggest to you this morning that that word come is a word of purpose. And purpose is so important in life. Purpose is what, without any purpose, you just kind of go through life blindly, without goals, without any initiative, without any real desires. 
And we should have a desire in 2023 to have a purpose to seek and to reach others for the gospel of Christ. That's the purpose. Now the plan is this, seek. If you're going to have that purpose of being a minister of reconciliation, an ambassador, then you're going to have to have a plan. And that plan is given to us by Jesus right here. He says that he sought them out. Let me work with some of you here just for a second. Let's just say that some of you here this morning, and I don't know where you're all at spiritually, but let's just say that some of you are here this morning going, you know what, preacher, it's a great message until you got here. I don't know that I can tell somebody about the Lord. Let me just help you here. Aren't you glad that, number one, somebody told you? But still... If you're not ready to go full throttle with this thing, which I wish we all were, and I wish I was more, I think all of us can be better soul winners. Could I at least ask you to consider this purpose? And if you're going to at least consider it, then you have to consider the plan. And the plan is simple, is that you have to seek. You have to seek. If I'm a, if I, if I, if I there's, a, there's a famous, there's a, there's an old statement with, with hunting is that you never get anything sitting on the couch. All right. All right. You don't ever take anything sitting on the couch. All right. And that's the same thing that goes with soul. Why do you think that Jesus took these fishermen and he said to them, what? Ye shall be what? Fishers of men. They understood that. That immediately clicked with them. Because why? Because they knew that they would never catch a fish sitting on the rear ends back at their house. They knew they had to get in a boat and go out there. And guess what? Some days you don't catch anything. Right? And sometimes you toil all night and you don't catch anything. But here's the point. The point is this. is that If you're going to seek the lost, you've got to go out there and tell the lost and find somebody. Most of the time, if you're going to tell, if somebody's going to get saved, it's because somebody went out there and told them. Now, that doesn't happen every single time. Sometimes the sinner comes this way. But nonetheless, the point being is this, the majority of people that are going to get saved are people that are going to have somebody seeking them. Remember, they are sinners. They don't want Christ. They don't even know they need Christ. And so they need somebody to seek them out. And then finally, the third, the third thing is this. The purpose, the plan. And then we see here that we need to save them. Now I know I can't save anybody. Okay? Don't get ahead of me here. But it's not going to be enough just to seek them. You're going to have to pull the trigger. You're going to have to throw out some bait. You've got to tell them the gospel. 1 Corinthians one twenty one says this, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God. And this blew my mind when I read this for the, for the upteenth time, but it pleased God 
by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Now listen to me. I'm not saying I can save anybody. But I think the Bible is very clear that in order for people to get saved, that the gospel's got to be preached. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of God. The Word of God. Paul even writes this words in 1 Corinthians 3, 5. He says, Who then is Paul and who is Apollos but ministers by whom ye believed? Even as the Lord gave to every man. God can use you to see people get saved. He used Paul. He used Apollos. He used Peter. He used the disciples. He used all kinds of people for his purposes. And God can use you as a believer. But you're going to have to have a purpose you're going to have to plan, and you're going to have to say, you know what? I'm going to tell them and preach to them the gospel. Now, you might not stand with Bible open and, and with note in hand and go to your workplace and say, now listen up, everybody. I've got a message for you, okay? I don't know. You might do that. I don't know how that will go over for you. But you know what you need to do? You need to find a way to give the gospel, to get it out, to tell somebody to be a light, to be salt. So this year in 2023, are you going to come down off your tree? Are you going to come down the tree? Jesus is passing by and he says, make haste. Come on down. Come on down. Some of you right now Maybe, maybe somebody here in this building needs to come down and accept Christ as Lord and Savior. Today. Now. Maybe you're here as a Christian and you need to come down off your tree, your place of high point, and humble yourself and repent. And all of us need to come down the rungs and meet with some sinners. Because listen, my friend, before you got saved, you was nothing but a sinner. Deserving of hell, just like everybody else. And God's mercy and grace has shined down upon you. Wouldn't it be great if you told somebody about the Lord and they got saved? May God help us this year, 2023, to purpose in our hearts, as Jesus said, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Father, we're thankful for the Word of God, and we pray that you would please help us, Father.